Hey guys, welcome to the Let's Get To It podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Hamilton, and I'm so glad you're here. We are going to be talking to people from all different walks of life about faith, family, and friendship. All right, let's get to it. My guest today is my dear friend, Laura Morris. She is courageously inviting us into her story. We all experience hurt in life. It's inevitable. But how do we truly heal from hurt? And how do we process a hurt when the root cause is something that's supposed to be joyful in life? For Laura, she endured a long period of depression when she and her husband moved to a new city, started a new job, and she found herself alone, feeling rejected, and crushed by the pressure of raising three children under the age of two. I invite you to listen to Laura's story of healing, how she needed God, needed others, and needed change in order to process through the hurt and come out on the other side. Hi, my friend, Laura. Welcome to the Let's Get To It podcast. Hello. Thanks for being here today. Yeah, I'm excited. Are you? Because we get to talk about healing. Does that make you excited? Let's talk about hurt. Yes and no. <laughs> exactly. I think that's how everybody feels on this topic of, we know we need to talk about it, but man, we do not want to. Yeah. So we are continuing to use Bonnie Gray's book, Whispers of Rest, as a springboard to our conversation. And today we are talking about healing from hurt. Um, And I'm going to start with this quote from Bonnie. She says, as your heart opens up to dream again, the wounds that once hurt you may still hold you back. It is time to go on the intimate journey of healing with God, to begin healing the feelings of fear, shame, rejection, and the loving presence of your Savior. I think at some point in life, we are all going to experience the pain of rejection and loneliness, betrayal, hurt. So I think the first step in healing is really acknowledging the wounds and the feelings that they produce. And I know that you experienced a deep hurt after your children were born and in a particular season of ministry uh, with you and your husband. So as much as you're comfortable, can you tell me the circumstances that surrounded that season for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, So my husband, Justin, and I, we have three kids. Carson is our oldest and then 17 months Younger than her, we have twins, Victor and Riley. And so when they were about, I guess Carson was two and the twins were about nine months, we moved to DC for Justin um, to do an unpaid residency at a church out there. Um, He'd been working in like the business world and had felt called to ministry and had actually started seminary classes. But we felt like God was pretty clear that this residency was our next step. So, um, we moved halfway across the country to one of the largest cities in the U.S. and lived in a tiny apartment with three kids under the age of two and started our first year of ministry. So um, it was a huge change for us. Um, And during that time, like Justin worked a full-time ministry job, and then he also did full-time seminary classes at night. Um, So his ability to be home and present in the home was um, minimal. And we knew that going in, we knew what we were committing to for his responsibilities for that season. But I think what we didn't expect was just the lack of, um, support and community that I would find there and just the weight that I would carry on my own. Um, 
you know, it's always hard to move and start over from scratch. Um, we've done it a lot, (laughs) but with three babies is, is way, um, harder. And like you move and we basically knew nobody for the first part of it. Um, and it was really hard for me to get out in the city by myself with the kids and meet people and build relationships. So, um, I was really lonely and it, it was hard too, because the place we came from in Louisiana, we had, um, an incredible community of people from our neighborhood and our church that really came around us when we had the twins, because we didn't have any family around. I um, mean, they really modeled for us what it was like to carry each other's burdens and to kind of support us through that time. And so, um, when we moved to start our first year of ministry, I kind of had this expectation that we would find that community again and that we would have that there. Um, but right. we, just, we didn't, um, you know, by the end of our time in DC, of course we had a few really close friends we connected with, but it took a long time to find them. And so I spent the majority of the time there um, lonely and, and struggling. I wrestled a lot with feeling just forgotten and rejected and, um, unimportant. Um, I really wrestled with God during that time about like, why wasn't he providing for me in that situation? And I wrestled a little bit with the church for the same reasons as well. Um, on top of that, I just felt crushed under the weight of caring for the three kids by myself. Um, everything was a huge daunting task, whether it was daily activities like feeding them and putting them to bed or something bigger, like having to get to the grocery store and back. I felt like I lost myself to caring for them that year. And I exhausted all I had emotionally, spiritually, physically, just to make it through that situation. And I spent a lot of that year depressed, although I I didn't recognize it at the time. And I kind of switched into like survival mode just to kind of make it through every day. And so, um, that really, there was some angerness and some bitterness that set in really deep, not only towards the church and God a little bit, but a lot towards my kids. Um, and the Mm. joy of motherhood was completely stripped from me and was really placed with resentment towards them for all that I had to give um, for them. So, you know, on the other side of it, of course, I can look back and see ways that my expectations weren't fair and ways that God was providing. But when you're in it and when you're hurting, it is really hard to see the small glimpses of that. Right. Right. And was it a challenge to express this to others? Because motherhood really was at the center of a lot of your pain you know, it's an event that's supposed to be joyful and to say, I'm really struggling um, as a mom, not to have anger and resentment towards them. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, the first nine months when we were at a different place, I didn't struggle with depression at all. So I think a lot of mine was circumstantial depression more than it was postpartum. Um, But um, it absolutely was hard because in most people's eyes, even though motherhood is hard in most people's eyes, it's a joyful thing. It's a wonderful, good thing. And so to try to tell people that that's not how you felt about it is, is hard. There's a lot of shame and guilt that comes from it. Um, and to open yourself up in that way. And also in a place where you already feel a little rejected by the people, um, Mm. and you're in ministry. So it was like two things that were hard to talk about that are supposed to be good things. I'm in ministry, but I'm struggling with that. And 
I'm a mother and I'm really struggling with that. And so it, it made it really hard to open up to people. Yeah, I bet. And how did that hurt kind of affect your spiritual relationship with God? Um, you know, it did in a couple ways. I actually, a couple years before that, when I was younger, experienced a different hard season of my life. And in that hard season, I kind of ran from God. I just kind of washed my hands. I was like, I'm done. I don't understand. Um, and I rebelled from him. And so when I went through this season in DC, I had already done that. I already knew what that got me. And so this right. time I chose to run to him. And so mm. in some ways, my relationship with God strengthened because I felt like I really learned when I felt like I had nothing, when I felt like everything was stripped from me, I knew I had God and I knew he was enough. He was what sustained me. Um, mm -hmm. And that trust and that reliance on him that I gained during that time was huge. Um, it still is a big part of my faith in him now and my relationship with him. But in another way, I also learned that I have this <laughs> default habit of taking like the hurt from other people or from other situations and reflecting that onto him as if, as if those things determine God's character. And during that season, I kind of had to realize that that wasn't true either. And so in some ways it led me closer to him and in others, it caused me to really wrestle with like, who is God and what do I really believe about him? Um, which is hard to go through as well. Yeah. And I think I find that a lot with, um, staff members at churches who when hurt comes, it is very, very hard to distinguish people's actions and God's character. And oftentimes yeah. they get so blended and you're right. That's when people leave the church yeah, um, because of a very deep wound and the feelings have been so enmeshed together that they can't distinguish what was God, where was God? Um, and, and someone's really hurtful um, words, actions, um, beliefs. And, and that's really hard. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. So Psalms 48, five and six, I love this verse. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, God, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. When they walk through the Valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. I honestly had never read that verse until a month ago. And it was very powerful. Um, most of us don't really enjoy uh, going through the valley of weeping and mourning. <laughs> I'm a great deflector. I'm a great, let's put it on the shelf and move on. Um, and this verse tells us that refreshment only comes when we go through the process of grief and healing. So for you, was your initial response, let's talk about just the season that you shared with us. Was your initial response to suppress the hurt? or walk through the process? Oh, it was definitely to suppress it. <laughs> I'm a lot like you. That's my default habit anyway. I have this attitude of like, no, it's fine. I'm just going to shove it down and, and willpower through it essentially. Yeah. But that's what led me to the place of being depressed is because I wasn't dealing with any of it. And yet it was still affecting me. The hurt and the emotion was still affecting me. And so, right. yeah, it was a lot of suppressing it deep. Yeah. I think a lot of us or okay, not us. I think I, I will speak for myself. <laughs> um, I'm realizing that, you know, my default, I don't even, I didn't even consider it a suppression so much as, okay, I'm angry. You know what? I get to be angry today. Just all in today. I will be angry. 
And then after that, it's kind of pointless. So we're going to get over it. And putting a timestamp on what I can feel and how long I can feel that, um, I am discovering that that's not necessarily the healthiest thing. (laughs) And that is very different than walking through the process of, of healing from the feelings, the healing of the issue beneath the feeling. I was just dealing with the feeling itself, allowing myself, well, telling myself, okay, you've got two hours. Um, (laughs) Then we're, we're on to next feeling, we're on to joy. (laughs) Um, And I didn't really realize that I was leaving the root issues and stuffing those. Um, And so, yeah, I I totally understand. That's good. I think I, I think I, um, I think I do the same thing and it manifests in like, I'm, I'm also a hard worker and I enjoy work. And especially in that season, having to tend to the kids in my mind, there wasn't an option to deal with it. I didn't have the time. I didn't have the space. I didn't have the energy to deal with what the root issue was. So it was kind of the same attitude of, um, well, I'm just going to shove these feelings down and ignore the root issue because I got to get through the day. There's work I have to do. There's things I have to tend to. Um, and honestly, like you have to learn to take the time and the space and the quiet to sit and wrestle with, like you said, what the root issue is. Otherwise, it's going to keep coming back. It's going to keep manifesting yeah. in different ways. Right. So tell me, what did that process look like for you? I mean, I think you hit it that so many of us are so busy. We don't have time to deal with it or we tell ourselves we don't have time to deal with it. So for you, what did that process look like? It really wasn't until we were removed from that hard season and that situation that the reality of what I was feeling set in. And I I remember like the first couple of weeks, I like cried every day and it wasn't a necessarily like this hard, sad cry. It was like this relief cry. And in that moment, there was this realization of like, ah, you haven't dealt with anything that you were feeling or going Mm -hmm. through. Um, It's all there still. And I hit this point where I had to make a choice. Like I'm either going to keep living in this same way of functioning and the same hurt and these same emotions, or I need to face the things that put me here because I can't move on. I can't get healthy. I can't grow in my life if I don't, if I don't deal with that hurt and that pain. And so, um, there were a lot of things that looked like, I think first and foremost, it looked like um, sitting with God about it. And I was really convicted by a sermon I listened to from Albert Tate, where he talked about um, the pain that we suppress in our hearts and how we put these like hard boulders over it in our heart Mm -hmm. to protect it. And how in order to really heal from that, you have to find those hard places in your heart, remove the rock covering it and invite God into that pain. And when you do that, you're allowing God to heal it. And so it had to start there with me and dealing with it with God and in within the midst of that safe relationship. And then I arrived at a point where um, I had to go talk to somebody professionally who knows how to help me with thought patterns and, and bad habits and how to even process the emotions I was feeling because it was so much Um, There was just, there was no way I could do that on my own. Yeah, that's really good. So when you committed to 
healing and walking through that pain and that hurt, did you find the end result to actually be refreshing? And was it more so than what suppressing your emotions got you? Yes. <laughs> not, <laughs> not at first, which is the hard part. Um, I think healing is a, yes. it's a partnership and it's a process. Mm-hmm. And I think the hardest part is that when you start in it, you have to make the choice to feel the pain all over again, which really hurts and is really yeah. painful. Um, but once you do that, there's like a process of healing that comes and then there's immediate healing that comes in sitting before the Lord and allowing him to touch those places. Um, I know I was <laughs> one night I was reading um, a Bible story to my kids from their storybook Bible. And it was the story of the woman that crawls through the crowd just to grab Jesus's robe. And she gets a corner of it because she just believes if she can get to him, that she will be healed of this lifelong disease and sickness that she has. And when Jesus feels power, leave him, he stops what he's doing and he turns to find who touched him. And he tells her that she's healed because of her faith that she would be. And I remember getting to the end of the story with my kids and then being like, mom, what's wrong? Cause I was just like sobbing because the realization that like, if I could just get to Jesus about this hurt, if he could just touch me in this one area, there will be healing. And there was when I chose to sit with him and express like the hard things I was thinking and the hard things I was feeling in that very moment of his presence, there was comfort, Mm. there was peace, there was acceptance, there was feeling completely seen. And therefore there was a little bit of healing right there. So I think like in some ways, when we suppress, we can numb out or we can put walls up and it protects us a little bit from feeling the pain. But in the long run, that's more detrimental than actually facing it. And if you choose to face the hard feelings again, there will be immediate healing and help and comfort in God. And then you'll continue to get the greater healing as you walk through the process. Right. Right. I think that's good. And it reminds me of um, the verse in Psalms, you know, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, yeah. Yeah. saves those who are crushed in spirit, and he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Yeah. And just like you said, God does actively participate in our healing. Um, and I love that you did feel that immediate comfort, that you did feel um, that peace and presence with you. I think that's huge and important. And I also think it's a testament though, that you said, this is the start yeah. of a very long journey. Yeah. And you're right. It does hurt. Like it hurts to dig that stuff up. And that's really why people don't Yeah, because it is too painful and it's easier to live in survival. But I found that if you go through that process, you'll actually live in a life that's thriving and not just surviving. Yeah. So continuing uh, what you're saying, you know, our wounds often do come from feelings of abandonment and rejection or broken relationships. Um, In her book, Bonnie Gray has a section of kind of God speaking to us and says this, stay and let me hold you today. I am that someone and I will stay. Um, How did that statement resonate with you? During that season, I felt like that was the very thing God was showing me 
was that when I feel like I'm alone um, or I'm carrying these burdens of my kids alone or mm-hmm. um, I've been rejected by other people that he, he is always there. He is always there and that his presence is always enough. Um, yeah. And to learn that he will always care about what I'm feeling. He will always meet me in it. He will never turn away, um, abandon me, reject me, think I'm less than, um, is a powerful truth to experience and grasp because I've always known that about God in my head, knowledge wise, but to walk through a season of life where I really got to experience that, that like, um, he is the one in my life that is always steady and always will be yeah. is, is powerful. Um, and so yeah. when you read that, I just think about how like, yeah, I know, I know that I know that to be true of God. Mm. That's really good and encouraging. I think sometimes, you know, when I read this, I immediately thought, is that enough? Do we as Christians believe that, that God, your presence, you staying is enough for us for this process? Or do we, in times of hurt, really long for the person who hurts us to offer the healing, you know, to offer the apology or to apologize a different way because we really didn't like the way they first apologized (laughs) or to apologize again because we need to hear it again. Um, So, you know, it's this, if we profess faith, which is a process, you know, is God actually enough to heal our brokenness? Um, For me, this was a big challenge to, to come to, to, uh, you know, examine within myself. Do I actually believe this or do I put the responsibility and desire of healing on someone else or on myself? I think that, um, that's, I love that thought process too. And I think it varies depending on situation. I mean, there are obviously situations where it is appropriate to reach for restoration and redemption within relationships and apologies and, um, working together with someone through a hurt. Like there are absolutely situations where that is really necessary for a relationship to move forward. Right. But within things like that, you also may not get it. And so it's like this balance of sometimes in situations, it is appropriate to want and try for healing within another person. And yet at the same time, knowing that even if you don't get that, God still has to be enough. And he is still enough for you to forgive and move on and heal. And I also think for me, like in a situation with my kids, like my anger and resentment towards them was not their fault. And to recognize in my heart that and separate that from them as people and then take that part to God because they, they don't need to apologize. They don't need to do anything to help heal me in that situation. Right. Um, God does. And so, yeah, it's like this balance of sometimes it is appropriate to want restoration, but you still may not get it. And knowing that. God is always capable of binding up our wounds and healing them with or without apologies from people that it may even be necessary from, you know? 
Yeah. That we're not always going to have resolution. Yeah. And I think sometimes we even have to grieve that fact Yeah, that resolution may not always come and it often doesn't come. And Ooh, that hurts. We, <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, it's and a hard truth. It is. It really is that we will often be left with unresolved hurt. Yeah. And what do we do with it? And I think this kind of brings us to, you know, needing others in the healing process. Uh, Matthew 27 tells us the story of Simon who helped Jesus carry the cross. It's a really powerful um, part of scripture and reminds us that we are not to carry our burdens alone. Bonnie Gray says we should not be ashamed to need someone. It isn't shameful to be broken because we are still and always beloved. So for you is opening up and allowing others to walk with you a challenge. Yes. <laughs> a big challenge. And I am not talking about <laughs> and I'm not talking about people that have hurt you. I'm talking about others to help the healing process. Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, part of my story is that like the previous hard season I went through also came from a lot of hurt from people and hurt from people in the church. And um, I just have this trend in my life in itself of not trusting people and having a hard time opening up to people because I've had so many instances in the past where I've done that and I was met with something that hurt me instead of something that helped me. And so Mm -hmm. um, I think finding the difference between um, people who hurt you, whether are hurting you currently or have in the past, and then people who God brings into your life to help you um, matters. And I found even with situations like what I went through in DC, there have been people God has brought into my life here in this new season that have helped carry those burdens with me, even after the fact. That's something good to realize is that um, when you're in the season and you're struggling, it's good to look for people that can carry. But even when you're out of the season, there may be other people who can still help you carry those burdens. Um, And I know it took me choosing to open up to new people about what I went through in DC before I really healed from it, because those people then were allowed to come alongside what God was already doing and speak love and encouragement and advice and scripture into what I was feeling and walking through and the healing of it. Yeah. And again, I think that speaks to the process of healing Yes, that it doesn't necessarily, you know, happen in one instance or in a week or even months, but it could be, you know, a year, years, plural, long process of healing that can take place. And I think it also depends on where we're at, if we're ready for that, yeah. if we're ready to dig in and with others, if we're ready to trust. Yeah. Yeah. I love when Bonnie says maybe the best gift we can offer to others wandering in this world without hope is to walk as a wanderer with mm-hmm. them with hope. And I love that. I love that. She says, uh, the best gift is just to walk with them and not talk with them. (laughs) And sometimes we just need to walk and be quiet and just 
walk alongside. Yeah. So I think it's good too, yeah. to remember that when we're trying to do that for other people, because sometimes the greatest thing you can do for someone is not anything you can say, but just making them feel seen and heard and loved in their pain. And that's, that's enough a lot of the time. Yeah, I agree. So in your journey and your experience, was there a difference in your healing when you finally allowed others to come in and help you carry that burden? Yeah, I think um, not only in healing from the hurt and the struggle, um, but also in healing from bad habits. Mm. I think when we go through a hard time and we, we kind of change how we function, how we think, how we process. Um, and that creates new habits. And sometimes those habits are very appropriate for the hard season you're walking through. But then when you get into a season where you're trying to heal, um, those habits are actually detrimental. Now they're actually, um, doing the opposite of what you need. And so for me, learning to open up to people and share and let them into, my struggles to help carry them with me um, was an act of changing my habits instead of mm. uh, further isolating myself. And instead of putting walls up to protect myself or instead of suppressing what I was going through, it was a choice to change my habits in opening up to other people. Um, and that in turn changes my trust of people. And it kind of in itself heals um, that pain, because then I'm also getting, um, love and care and support and the things I'm looking for that help heal the hurt I've gone through. Yeah, that's good. So with that, what, what is our responsibility to reach out to others? So how do you balance the need for us to reach out to others and then for others to reach out to us? Cause I think it's a both and, and so how have, you balanced those two different things? I don't think I have. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're just going to get to it. That's what I think I'm still learning that. And I, yeah. That's honestly such a hard question for me because, for instance, when I look back at DC and I think about how much I was struggling and how much I put that blame on other people for not reaching out, for not helping me, for not taking initiative. Um, I also can look back and see that I didn't do anything to reach out because I was so fearful of my previous pain of getting rejected in that and getting hurt further in that, um, that I didn't try. Um, and I can look back on that situation in and of itself and see both of those examples and how there could have been differences in both of those. And so, um, I have to have some self-awareness and I've been trying to learn self-awareness of when I am shutting down and I'm isolating instead of recognizing that like, oh, I'm struggling again. I need to choose to reach out because it still can be hard. I don't know. And maybe this is just me. It definitely could be just me, but um, I don't know that I will ever have in natural intuition to just reach out to somebody when I'm hurting. I think my gut is always to um, isolate. And so to make an active choice that says, I recognize I'm struggling. I need to choose to reach out to the people I trust to help me and then do that. Um, I also think when I look at my friends and when I meet other people, 
I want to be aware of other people's situations. So if I meet somebody at church and I can recognize that like, hey, they might be going through something hard right now, or this situation in and of them of itself would be hard to walk through. I'm going to follow up with them. I'm going to reach out and ask how they're doing. I'm going to take initiative to maybe um, serve somebody and care for somebody that doesn't have it right now to ask, because I think it's a balance too of giving grace. Um, I sometimes people are hurting and struggling so much. They don't know how to reach out or they don't know that they're not. And so it's, it is, I think that's a really hard question and a hard thing to learn. And I feel like I'm still in the middle of learning how to balance those things. Yeah, I think we all are. And I think I I do know that you are a person who wants to be there for friends, um, wants to be there for even acquaintances to have a safe place for them to come and speak and just be, um, I think there are often times, and I'll say this for myself, people with that personality, men and women that have that personality, have that drive, have that love and compassion. I wonder if we ever use that as a deflector so that we don't have to deal with our own mess, our own stuff, that we are so busy helping others and being that safe place for others, we don't allow the time for ourselves to process our own hurt. Oh yeah. Have you found that true for you? Oh yeah. And sometimes I don't even know. Sometimes I'm just so busy and so deep in other people's stuff because that's where my heart is that then I, it takes me a while to realize like, Oh, you're struggling too. And you're just not, you're not paying attention to that, which is a problem too. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Rumi says, the wound is the place where the light enters you. I loved this statement. I thought it was powerful. I would add that the light only shines if the wound is exposed. So there's a huge challenge for me to be vulnerable and expose the wound so that the light can actually shine through and be seen. Um. Do you, <laughs> do you expose that wound and allow the light to shine through for others to see? I think I've learned to, I think until the last couple years, I didn't, which is why it led to unnecessary burden that didn't need to be there. Um, I also think for me, it wasn't just learning to expose that wound to other people who I trust to help me and carry that, but also learning to expose that wound to God because um, I shut him out pretty hard too. Um, And so I think like, I think the biggest thing is that a lot of my hurt came from the fact that I always looked to other people to fill me, to help me, to care for me, to be my everything. And I got hurt so many times because I was going to the wrong place. And I had to learn that Mm. it always has to be God first. Um, Always. Now, people are important. And it is an important aspect of your spiritual life and your spiritual walk and your relationship with God. But if you're not going to God first, if you're not taking those things to him first, then the people part is going to be 
way less important. And so um, I had to learn after DC. And one of the things I learned in DC was to open my wounds to God and let him in first um, instead of shutting him out. And once I was able to do that, then I was able to do that with other people. And the combination of both is really how God designed us to live, right? To live in community and relationship and fellowship with him. And then to do the same thing with others. And I think you make a good point that it's really God and God's love that heals us. Um, And, you know, I compare that to the phrase, oh, just give it time. You know, time will heal all wounds. And that's not necessarily true. Um, Time doesn't heal unless we pursue the healing. So how does that resonate with you? Um, I sit here and I'm nodding. Uh, Yeah, Uh, it (laughs) No, it doesn't. And I hate that phrase. And I hate when I still hear people use that phrase because it's not true. In fact, time makes the wound worse. If you're suppressing it, time makes the wound um, affect you more the longer you leave it unattended. And I, I mean, in my season of healing, one of the things that God brought up was not only hurt from that season in DC, but the hurt from my past that I never dealt with. And I'm talking 12, 13 years ago that I never dealt with. I just suppressed and I tucked it away and how that hurt was manifesting and how I view people, how I function, how I deal with new hurt. And so um, it's never time. It's always God. And yes, the process of healing takes time and that can look different for everybody and can look different for different circumstances. But if you're not addressing it, if you're not choosing to engage and put the work because it can be work in healing, um, then the healing isn't just going to come. I do think the pain lessens. I do think over time you learn how to cope different, but it still affected me. It still affected who I am and how I think and function. And so I think it's so important to recognize the choice we have to make in engaging in the healing process and, and choosing to do that and to partner with God in that. What advice would you give others uh, that are going through a season of pain um, and needing healing? What would our responsibility be to pursue healing? If you are still in the hurt and it's something that's an ongoing thing that you're trying to make it through and process through, to keep taking what you're feeling to God. Um, Instead of feeling shame for how you feel or your hard questions or your hurt, express it to God. Daily, if that means daily something's happening that's hurting you, be honest, brutally honest with God about what you're feeling and experiencing and allow him to sit with you in that and and speak to you and guide you in that. Because if you're not and you're just shoving it down or you're hiding it or you're tucking it away for later, um, it's it starts to fester a little bit. And so just just keep taking it to God while you're in it. But then I also had to realize the point where like um, I was in over my head and I didn't know there was so much I was feeling and so much I had experienced. I didn't really know what to do with it. Um, And I had to go talk to somebody. I had to go talk to a professional who knew how to help me work through what I was thinking and feeling. I think, and for me, that was hard because I felt like I was going to somebody to try to fix my problems for me, but that's not what it was. It's somebody who helps you 
think through and figure out what you're feeling and going through. And they have all these tools and resources and practical things to equip you with to help you process and cope um, and deal with things. And so that would be my advice to people is go to God first, let him in, be honest with him about what you have felt, what you have gone through, what your doubts and questions are. And then secondly, like seek help not only from maybe professionals when, when you're ready for that, but also like we talked about from trusted friends and family that can help carry those burdens with you. And also in, in healing, being a process, you don't just do those things one or two or three times and all of a sudden it's fine. Um, it's a long journey. And so continuing to do those things um, is important and committing to that long-term is important. I think that's good. And I think the encouragement to, to seek professional help is really good. I think so often we treat hurt and pain as um, something almost mystical. And we don't really acknowledge what it actually mm-hmm. does to our brain as an organ mm-hmm. and our body. And I think professionals really can help us understand that. You know, for me, I, I often tell people, because they'll say, well, I don't know if I really need help. Our minds will often play hurt over on a loop. And we will have that uh, scenario, just whatever that hurt is, just kind of almost playing like a video, just over and over. Or the conversation that took place that hurt us, we're just playing that over and over and over. When it plays over and over on our mind consistently, I think that is a big signal of it's time to seek some help. And there's some great people that you can go to that understand hurt, that understand pain, like you said, that have resources and tools to help us change some habits, to help us properly process what we went through, the feelings and emotions that came with it, to really be able to move on and move through that process. And sometimes we need professionals to help our brains heal. And I think it is putting that, uh, it is seeing the brain as an organ that responds to harm, just like any other organ in our body would. Um, so I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's really important. Um, especially for the Christian community who often sees, sees hurt, sees pain, sees trauma as a spiritual issue. And it's not. Um, And so I think it's, you know, hopefully giving freedom to people to say, okay, I do need to, I do need to seek help. I do need to reach out to someone that knows about this, who can give me some wisdom and help me through this. information on how trauma and hurt affect the brain, I encourage you to read The Body Keeps the Score, Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma, and the book Mindset, The New Science of Personal Transformation. Understanding how the brain works and how the brain can heal can give incredible insight and hope for those that are hurting. All right, let's get back to my conversation with Laura. So how did your behavior change as you healed? How did your self-talk change? How did your relationships with others change? 
like with the healing process, my behavior, my thoughts, my life was a process of change. Because like I talked about before, you develop other habits, even in how I think about myself or view myself or others or how I function throughout the day. Um, And so as I healed through the pain, there would become more awareness of, oh, um, I think that I am worthless sometimes. I have this narrative in my Mm -hmm. head that plays on repeat that nobody's going to care. Everybody's going to let me down. And therefore that's my fault. It's something about me. Um, and when I had, when I healed from some of the pain of that and was able to see it from a healthy perspective, then I was able to recognize that that thought pattern was a product of my hurt. It was not truth. And so then I had to work on replacing that thought pattern with truth about who I am and who God created me to be. And then that therefore changed my habits because really how I behave, how I function comes out of my thoughts. Um, I think it also changed my behavior because as I healed, I switched out of survival mode. And so when I was in survival mode, how I even went about my day, how I prioritized what I got done or what I did, um, my energy, my, joy came back and therefore what my everyday life looked like shifted and it had to shift. And some of it shifted naturally with my joy returning. Um, and some of it was a choice to shift. I had to create new habits where I got up in the morning and, um, chose to see the good things of the day, chose to reprioritize the things that were more important now that I was healthier. Um, and so it was, it was a process. And I feel like in some ways I'm so much further than what I was, but it's still a process. It's also affected my relationships because I have deeper friendships and more community and have rediscovered what it means to trust somebody through my process of healing, through those active choices to let people in and to talk to people about my struggles. And also just through the realization that um, it's okay to be careful about who you choose to trust and who you don't. Absolutely. Absolutely. You do not have to trust everybody and not everybody uh, has the right to your story. You have the right to your story to share it with whomever you deem trustworthy. Yeah. So what advice do you have to people that are listening who are currently walking through a really hard season of hurt? This question is hard because when you're at a healthy place, it's really easy to have good advice for people. Mm. And that's not always helpful when you're at an unhealthy place. And so that's good. For me, this may sound simplistic. My, my advice may sound simplistic to those of us who are at a healthy place right now. But I know when I was struggling to get through every day and I was being drowned by all the hurt and pain around me, all I needed was somebody to say, God is here. He is faithful. If all you can do is put one foot in front of the other, Until you get to the other side, that's what you do. Keep going to God, stay committed to him, and you will see relief. 
you will get there. Um, and that is very simple, but that's what I needed when I was hurting and struggling was just hope and somebody to say, it's okay to be where you are. It's okay to be feeling what you're feeling. It's okay to wrestle with your faith. It's okay to wrestle with God, but don't give up. Don't quit on God. Stay committed, make it through and you will find healing and there will be restoration and God will be enough. That's so good. That's really, it's really good. Thank you so much for taking the time just to share your story, to let us in on that journey. I'm so glad that you um, are on the other side of that valley. So thank you so much for letting us in on your story. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Laura. If you have questions or comments, email me at letsgettoitpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.